0: Good evening. We're going to be talking about Christian prayer and also the Mass. I want to talk about both because it seems sometimes that Christian prayer is separate from Mass and actually it's the highest form of prayer for a Catholic and so it's important that we recognize uh, both of these things um, really as one. Christian prayer Really is what we're made for. It's an encounter, in in a sense, of God's thirst with ours. He created us for Himself. And so when we recognize that we're made for Him, then we too thirst for God. And God has made us for Himself. And so when Jesus from the cross said, I thirst. His meaning his true meaning in that phrase was that he thirsts for you and he's been separated from you and his his death on the cross made reconciliation possible again and so Jesus thirsts for you God thirsts for you and prayer is an encounter of God's thirst with ours now it is a response of faith remember faith is a gift it's been given to us in our baptism and so Faith in a sense calls us to something, and prayer is one of those somethings that it calls us to. If God is who we're made for, then one of the ways in which we dialogue or come to be with the other is through prayer. Prayer is a response of love, it's a response of faith. And it should be our heart that prays. And so, oftentimes, I think we get into a rut with prayer. We we go and we go to like those kind of formal prayers that we're used to saying, which are beautiful and very good. Um, but they're often not the words of our heart. Now, they can be the words of our heart. Some people can pray the pray the Our Father or the Hail Mary and and have it be the focus of their heart as they're praying it. And that's how we should pray the Hail Mary and the Our Father. Um, but it's the words of the heart. The praise. That's what God is looking for. He's looking for our heart to open ourselves up to him um, so that he can hear um, what he already knows, but he wants us to articulate it for him. Prayer recognizes that there is a covenant relationship between God and man through the person of Jesus Christ. Remember we talked about a covenant as being not just an exchange of things, but an exchange of persons. And so prayer really recognizes this, um, that this covenant relationship isn't a superficial relationship, it's an exchange of my whole being um, in yours. And Christ made this possible by becoming one of us, right? And so when he becomes one of us, we are in fact, in union with God, right? Through his humanity, man and God is reconciled again. That's so beautiful to think about that. And prayer um, puts this into words. Prayer is a living relationship of the children of God with their father. You know, this is really important to recognize. You know, you, you might acquiesce that there is in fact a God, but do you ever spend time with God? Do you ever sp- spend time listening for God, listening to God, speaking to God? Well, this is what we're made for, a living relationship. Just like your relationship with your spouse or a friend or a parent, You know that relationship is not gonna grow, it's not going to flourish if in fact you don't spend time with that person. And so prayer recognizes um, that this relationship needs dialogue and then ultimately, it's communion with Christ and his church. And that's really what the liturgy shows us, that when we go to mass, we are in, we are in prayer with, with Christ. Certainly, we're in worship of Christ, but we're also in union with one another, with the church. And so the mass is the highest form of prayer. All of us are called to prayer. There's a universal call to prayer because we're made for God. All of us are seeking him, and prayer is a way in which to cry out to him to praise him to petition him um but we must remember that prayer wasn't our idea right god calls us first he called us first in adam when he walked with adam and eve in the garden he created them again for himself he called noah he dialogued and made a covenant with noah noah responded with the building of the ark he responded with a deeper relationship and walk with god abraham god called abraham he called him to serve him to form a people for himself ultimately to sacrifice his son which he never really called him fully to do he stayed the hand of the angel of death but this was his covenantal relationship with abraham and then moses you know moses again was called by god the burning bush but God formed him from the very first moment of his life as perfect for the mission that he was gonna send him on right he grew up in a he was born to a Hebrew but he grew up in a Egyptian home only to save the Hebrew people from the Egyptian Pharaoh and so again God God formed us in in the in the womb and he knew his plan for us from the very instant of our creation And so prayer is our response to this reaching out that God has done to all of us in our creation. There's some examples on this slide that say, where are you? You know, this is what God asked Adam and Eve in the garden. Where are you? And remember, it wasn't God that didn't know where they were. It was him checking on them. Do you know what you have done? Do you know where you are? And then, of course, to... Cain in the story of Cain and Abel. What have you done when Cain slayed his brother Abel out of envy? Envy for the love of the Lord. And the Psalms, the Psalms are beautiful ways to pray. I really encourage people who are kind of novices in prayer, who who, who aren't comfortable with prayer, to challenge themselves just to read a Psalm every day. Have a Bible at your bedside before you get out of bed. Read a Psalm. I promise you. The Psalms will speak to your heart because they address every emotion, every instant of our life. And so the Psalms are a great way to pray. When I prepare couples for marriage, I I say this is a really good way for you guys to read to each other the Psalms. Because remember, when you're reading God's word, you're listening to his word. These are God's words. So when you read scripture, you're hearing his voice. Now, Jesus, of course, is our our model, our model in humanity. And so we need to look at what Jesus did as it relates to prayer. Jesus spends a lot of time in prayer to the Father. He does it before the decisive moments in his life, before he's baptized, the transfiguration, the passion of the Christ. Where is he? He's in the garden. He's in an agony in the garden of Gethsemane, asking the Lord if this cup could pass but let it be done unto me according to thy word before he decides who the 12 will be. He has spent time in dialogue with the father. He often spends time in solitude in this dialogue. So although we're called to community prayer, the mass, we're also called to individual prayer with the father where we can just spend time quietly. And I really encourage people to to do that before the blessed sacrament, you know, just to go into the quiet church and to sit before the the tabernacle and just be quiet and just say, here I am, Lord, and allow him to speak to you. So Jesus is our model in prayer. um, And so we too are called to pray with conversion of heart. What does that mean? That means to pray with the mind that I don't want my will because I know my will is slanted. My, my will is always going to be about you know, my needs, my wants. But I know you, Lord, you, Lord, want what's best for me. So to pray with a conversion of heart is to be open to the will of the Father, which Jesus, of course, was. To pray with faith, what does that mean? That I trust the Lord, that I trust that he is good, that he is generous, and that whatever's happening in my life or whatever will happen in my life, Is ultimately for my good and maybe that's for my ultimate good my salvation so maybe things seem horrible right now but it's the only way that he could ever get my attention God doesn't cause bad things to happen but sometimes he'll allow for them in hopes that we will turn towards him we also should pray with filial boldness what does that mean it means that we should pray as if God wants what is best for us so maybe we won't get what we're asking for but we'll certainly get what we need. So praying with filial boldness. Now there's different forms of prayer. There's prayers of blessing, which basically means, you know, thank you, Lord, for blessing me with all of the good things that you've given to me. And this is really how we should start our prayer. We should always start with praise, thanking God, because even if we're struggling, we wouldn't even have the capacity to struggle if he hadn't first given us life. So blessing, very important. Adoration. God is the only one worthy of adoration. We don't adore Mary. We don't adore the saints. We only adore God, right? He is the only being that is worthy of adoration. Um, But we're called to adore him. We're called to kneel before him. That's why we kneel before a tabernacle. We bow before we receive the Eucharist. These are ways that we adore the Lord. We recognize he is the all-powerful, all-good all merciful, all just God. There's prayers of petition, and this is oftentimes the way we begin prayer when actually we should, we should begin with blessing and adoration. Now, petition is fine. God wants us to ask him for what we need. Um, always be making prayers of petitions, however, with the idea that God is going to give us exactly what we need. So those prayers of petition are, are an asking for what I need at this point in my life. There's prayers of intercession in which we pray for others. You know, every day I, I pray the Divine Mercy Chaplet, and with each prayer, I put in a person's name in my family. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on Patty and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on Mark and on the whole world. I go through every member of my family, my siblings, their spouses their children and everyone gets named before the Lord every day in my prayer it's part of my petition to the Lord to care for them to have mercy on them to watch out for them prayer of Thanksgiving Um, again thanking God for everything that he's given to us even if we're struggling so those are different forms of prayer Um, they should always be rooted in the word so that means the person of Jesus Christ his written word, what he has done, Um, and so we should always be, you know, placing our prayers um, in a form, in the context, really, of sacred scripture and the word of Jesus. You know, another way to pray is just to invoke the name of Jesus. Um, He's the one that provides access to the Father through the Holy Spirit. Now the rosary has often been called the perfect prayer. And so I just kind of want to talk about why that's so. The rosary is the perfect prayer because it incorporates all the prayers of the church. Has the creed, which is our belief. Gives us the Our Father, which itself is a summary of the whole gospel. It has the Hail Mary, it has the Glory Be. And then it adds a couple of different prayers too that have been added on over time. And so the rosary itself is a summary of the whole gospel. It has all the mysteries of Christ's life. It has the great prayer, the Our Father, which Jesus himself taught us. The Our Father itself was given to us by Jesus, and it provides us the way we should pray and in what order. And so there's, there's an order of prayer, right? It's, it's the prayer of the whole church. Um, it's the prayer that we pray in every Mass, right? So when people are baptized, when they're confirmed, the liturgy calls forth the Our Father. So what is the, what's the order that, that we're, we're talking about here? We say, Our Father, who art in heaven. So we're expressing the relationship that we have with God. He's our Father, he's not a servant, I and mean, he's not a master, we're not servants, he's our Father. And so the Our Father dares to call God Father, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. We're expressing who God is, that he's not like us. We're like him, but he's not like us. The authority and the majesty of God is proclaimed in the Our Father and that he is worthy to be adored. Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Again, recognizing that God is the one will determine what will be and how it will be and then there's seven petitions that are given in the our father our father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven so his will will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. And so these are what we're really asking God to do for us, to make this earthly existence comparable to that of heaven, to have his will be done, to feed us with his bread of life, both in earthly material food, but also in that heavenly food, to forgive us our sins as we forgive others, um, and then also um, to reckon, recognize that he is the one, the only one, that can do so. The final doxology doxology is something that was added on to the Our Father, and I think a lot of times our Protestant brothers and sisters think that we change the Our Father, <laughs> when actually um, the the, our, the doxology, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, Um, forever and ever. That was actually um, added on later on and and it's a beautiful addition. A doxology is a form of praise. Um, And so it's a doxology that was added later on and that's why we don't pray it um, as part of the the Our Father in Mass. We wait a little bit and then we pray it a little bit later on in the liturgy. Um, So the Our Father, the perfect prayer, Jesus taught us, it tells us the order in which we pray um, and what we need to be asking for. In that order. Now the Hail Mary um, is another prayer of the rosary and it's actually a scriptural prayer. It's found in the Gospel of St. Luke and it reminds us of who we're called to be in Christ. Um, we're called to be full of grace. Now, How are we full of grace? We're full of grace whenever we receive a sacrament. You know if we are properly disposed, if we're um, you know, willing to be filled up by God in his life. That's what the sacraments do for us. What a beautiful, beautiful thought. Mary's full of grace. And it reminds us of who Mary is. She was the perfect person chosen by God to bring forth her son. She's blessed. Why is she blessed? She's blessed because she believed. She's the mother of all believers. She was the first disciple. The fact that we call Mary holy in the Hail Mary tells us not who Mary is, but who God is. Holy Mary, mother of God. She's the mother of Jesus, who is God. That's why she's holy. Kind of like why the church is holy. The church isn't holy because of us. The church is holy because it's Christ's body. Mary's holy because of who is going to dwell in her. And then the Hail Mary speaks about praying for us sinners, because that's who we are. All of us fall short. All of us struggle to love and live the way we're called to love and live. And so pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. So it recognizes who we are. It's it's a prayer of reality. It's a prayer of humility. We ask her to pray for us now, and we ask for her to pray for us at the hour of of our death, because that's what she did for the Lord. She was present for Jesus, and she's going to be present with us, too, to lead us to her son. Now, the Glory Be is kind of the high high point of the the rosary of, of every decade, right? Um, Glory be to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. So we're reminded of the great mystery of our faith, the high point of our faith, the Trinitarian God, that he is a communion of persons, a communion of love, and we are called to be the same. The heart, though, of the rosary are the mysteries because the mysteries are really the mysteries and the the important points of Jesus' life. We have the four different types of mysteries, right? We have the joyful mysteries, the sorrowful mysteries, the glorious mysteries, and the luminous mysteries. The joyful mysteries are the infancy narratives. These are the mysteries of Christ's life of when he was really a a child. So the Annunciation was when the angel Gabriel came to Mary. The Visitation was when Mary went to see Elizabeth, who was pregnant with Saint John the Baptist. The Incarnation is the birth of Jesus Christ. The presentation is when Jesus is presented to the temple and he, he and his parents encounter Simeon and Anna. And then the finding of Jesus at the temple is when Jesus reveals himself to his parents at 12 years of age that I am the son of God. So the joyful mysteries, these are said on Mondays and on Saturdays. The sorrowful mysteries are Christ's passion, right? Again, these are the events of Jesus's life. So when we pray the sorrowful mysteries, We're contemplating Jesus' agony, his scourging, his crowning with thorns, his carrying of the cross, and ultimately his crucifixion and death. The glorious mysteries tell us about the overcoming of sin and death, the resurrection, the ascension of Jesus back to the Father, the descent of the Holy Spirit, the assumption of Mary, the coronation of Mary, Queen of Heaven and Earth, which both of these last two glorious mysteries, the assumption and the coronation of Mary, Give us hope for our own resurrection of our bodies and souls. The luminous mysteries focus on Jesus's ministry when he was here on earth, when he was baptized by John the Baptist, the wedding feast at Cana, the proclamation of the kingdom when he went about the countryside and proclaimed the gospel of God, the transfiguration when he was transfigured before Peter, James, and John and showed his glory. And then the institution of the Eucharist, the night of the Last Supper, the Holy Thursday that we celebrate even today in the Easter Triduum. The beads, the beads of, the, of the rosary itself help us to pray and kind of keep track of what we're praying. And it kind of, the beads, if you follow the beads, the beads all lead to the most central important thing and that is the crucifix our lord our lord is on that crucifix and so our prayers our prayers lead us to christ and so that's what the beads are really for they're for keeping track so we don't have to count on our fingers we can actually just feel the beads and the beads are usually different sizes so once you finish one mystery then you go to a larger bead that tells you okay i've finished that mystery now i should I should pray the the Glory Be and the Oh My Jesus prayer. Um, And it reminds us, it reminds us of that prayer of the the early monks of the church. Um, They used to use pebbles um, to pray the the Psalms um, of the Old Testament. And so the people took this up, the people who were kind of uneducated and couldn't memorize the Psalms because they couldn't read, and they would put, you know, beads together and use them as prayer beads. And eventually um, they came to be um, the rosary, which St. Dominic um, put together at the request of an appearance of Our Lady to him. And so the beads lead us to the cross. It reminds us that we are called to contemplation of the Lord. And and the beads are kind of, you know, an unending circle. So there's an unending path of contemplation that we're called to. It's a chain that links us to the Lord. It's a filial chain which links us to Mary, to contemplate the face of Christ alongside her. And so, um, so it's just important for us to recognize that, that all prayer is, is, is an attempt to encounter the Lord. In an intimate way, sometimes it's private, sometimes it's public. We're called to both because we we both are called to a personal um, encounter with the Lord, but we're also called to a communitarian, a communitarian um, way of prayer. All right, so this is the individual prayer um, that I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of end here with. And then I will do in a separate recording um, the prayer of the mass. What does it mean to pray the mass?